John with Randy, welcome everybody out. We're glad for your presence. Invite you to get your Bibles. Follow along as we open the Word of the Lord, and that's what we will be looking at is the Word of the Lord and to let the Word speak to us. Uh, Today's lesson is a uh, a request lesson, and uh, we hope that our time will certainly be profitable. Well, as we sang the song, Send the Light, and that is the work of the church, that we are to be sending the light throughout the world and trying to do all that we can in spreading the message of the gospel. And then in that second verse, we have heard the Macedonian call. That's where we're going to begin our lesson as we talk about this Macedonian call, because that was the mission of the church. That was the mission of our Lord. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. That is the mindset of Christians that that uh, know and study the Bibles that we want to send the light. We want to spread the gospel. People need to hear the gospel. People need to know about Christ. They need to know about salvation. All around about us, all around about our state, all around about our country, and all the countries in the world, because it is the solution to the problems of humanity, and that is the problem of sin. And, of course, the gospel is that message. And that's what we're going to be looking at as we begin. Now, when we talk about the Macedonian call, uh, it has to do with what took place in Paul's second preaching journey. And uh, it was here, here in Antioch of Syria. The church at Antioch of Syria, they were such a talented congregation. They were evangelistically minded. They were spreading the gospel. And it kind of became home base for Paul. He started there, him and Barnabas, on the first preaching journey as they went uh, to Cyprus, and then they went up here in the area of uh, Pamphylia and Galatia and some of those towns there. And then, after the uh, conference about the problem about circumcision, Acts chapter 15, Paul says to, uh, Saul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go visit the congregations that we went and okay, and Barnabas said, let's take John Mark. Paul said, no, so the big disagreement. And so Barnabas, he takes, uh, he takes John Mark and they head over here to Cyprus. And the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey begins there in Acts chapter, uh, at the end, end of chapter 15. And then they leave, Paul and Silas, they pick up Timothy when they come up here to Lystra and uh, Derby there. And anyway, and that's where we sort of pick up. And notice there in Acts chapter 16, beginning there and uh, back up there to verse uh, verse 6, I believe it is. Yeah. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Why? But the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow them to go into Asia. Verse 7, and after they were come to Messiah, uh, they attempted to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit permitted them not, so not allowed to go there, which would be... They were traveling from this area, and they were going up, couldn't go here in Asia, couldn't go up here into Bithynia, so they travel over here to Troas. And so it says, and they, passing by Messiah, uh, came down to Troas. Verse 9. Now, this is where the Macedonian call, this, the imagery of the Macedonian call comes from. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia. Now, Macedonia would be across the sea here. This is Macedonia. And so Paul, in this vision, he sees this man in Macedonia beseeching him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. So this is, this is what we mean by the Macedonian call. Here's another area that, that, that Paul's seen in the vision. People are wanting to know about the gospel. 
They're wanting to hear about the gospel message. And so God in his providence made known to Paul. And so it says in verse 10, And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. And so they take off on the boat. They go across there, Somathras. And they come into Neapolis, and they come to Philippi, and you read the rest of the book of uh, Acts chapter 16, there they are in Philippi. Very successful work in Philippi. A congregation is established, work is going great, a wonderful congregation, and they also are very evangelistic in their mindset. Because when Paul leaves Philippi, they send support to help Paul in his preaching down in Thessalonica. And he talks about that in Philippians chapter 4. So they are also evangelistic minded and they are helping Paul in his preaching down in Thessalonica and then Paul ultimately comes to Corinth and there were other churches in Macedonia that were supporting Paul in his work of evangelism as he was down there in Corinth. And what we're going to see as we talk about the Macedonian call, the imagery of getting the gospel out, when there's doors of opportunity, taking advantage of the doors of opportunity, send the light as we sang the song. Wherever it might be, sending the light. And that's what's taking place here in the book of Acts, illustrating for us. And when you look at thriving congregations, they are evangelistic minded in the community, wanting to get the message out. And they're also very mindful of other areas in the country, other countries of trying to spread the gospel. I mean, it's it's just the mindset. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, and congregations that have their mind, like the church at Antioch, the church at Philippi, they also have the same mindset of sending the light and heeding the Macedonian call and doing what they can in the work of the gospel. Now, God has ordained preaching. Just up front, God has ordained preaching. That's the method, that's the means that God has ordained is sending and teaching the gospel. We all have that responsibility, as Paul talked about in his prayer. That what we learn is that we have responsibility to teach and to share with others. Maybe we're not going to teach the class, but we're just some, we're simply talking with somebody about the gospel message. And we say, hey, would you like to study? Well, we've got some brothers, and it could be any number of brothers or sisters that could lead the class, but everybody's going to have a part in this work of sharing the message of the gospel. Sending the light. We sing the song, sending the light. I mean, were we just, we just singing some sort of lie that we don't believe sending the light? I hope not. It is a scriptural song. It is, of course, thoroughly entrenched in the scriptures. In Matthew chapter 10, we read about what? We read about the limited commission. Now, what was the limited commission? Well, that's Jesus, when he came on the scene, he worked among the Jews. That was his primary and first obligation, was to work uh, work among the Jews first. And the apostles were chosen, and they were sent out. Notice there in Matthew the 10th chapter, there in verses 5 and following. He commands the twelve, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into the city of Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so they were what? They were being preached. They were preaching. God has ordained that the message is going to involve human instrumentality, that is, teaching the gospel, preaching the gospel. And so the apostles were involved in that. Then you have the Great Commission. Well, why is it called the Great Commission? Because, well, you go to all the world. 
Notice there in Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28, beginning there in verse 18, she says, All power, all authority, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, or go make all disciples, depending on which translation. But making disciples is going to involve teaching, so in essence it's, it's the same. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. So there's going to be teaching. Then people are going to be converted. And then there's going to be more teaching after that. Teaching them to observe all things. Not some things, not most things, not putting near everything. But teaching them all things, whatsoever I command you. And Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Look in Mark chapter 16. Again, the Great Commission according to Mark. It says, go into all, Jesus says unto them, the apostles, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be condemned. And then he talks about the miracles that would be performed. And then notice there in verse 20, it says, And they went forth, what did they do? They went forth preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Preaching, the teaching, the spreading of the gospel, the speaking of the gospel message. You turn to the book of Acts, what do you see? You see preaching. It takes place. It's, it's what God has ordained in the conversion. It's pleasing to God, as we're going to see in 1 Corinthians here in a few moments. God ordained preaching. Luke's account also gives the, the great commission there of teaching all nations. There in the book of Acts chapter 2, you've got the apostles on the day of Pentecost. What happens? The Holy Spirit comes upon them. And by miraculous power, they preach the gospel. They proclaim the gospel in other languages as it describes there. And notice there in verse 14 of Acts chapter 2, But Peter, standing up with eleven, lifted up his voice. Lifted up his voice during what? Well, teaching, proclaiming, speaking about the message of the gospel. Look there in verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. The teaching of the gospel. And it talks about the death, burial, and resurrection. Verse 37, it says, And now when they heard this, what they hear? They heard the preaching of the gospel that Peter and the others were speaking. Look at verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. So the gospel is to be preached. Look there in Acts chapter 4. You have the powerful miracle of the lame man being healed, which caused a great stir and caused a great interest. So Peter and the others were preaching the gospel. And the Jews hear about that, and they kind of get jealous about that. Notice there in chapter 4, beginning there in verse 18, and they called them, that is the apostles, and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. So here the Jews say, ah, don't want to hear this teaching stuff anymore. Don't be preaching about Jesus. Now, you want to preach about Moses? Okay. You want to preach about, you know, uh, Elijah, Old Testament? Okay, we, we, we're fine with that. But don't preach about Jesus. So it says, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And when they had threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because... Uh, because of the people, for all men glorified. And so what happened? Well, they just went on preaching. Well, in chapter 5, they arrest the apostles. And then the angel comes and releases the angels, uh, releases the apostles, and what are they? The angel says, just keep going, go preaching. So there, there they are at the Temple Mount. There they are preaching in Jerusalem. And notice in chapter 5, beginning there in verse 27. So they bring them before the Sanhedrin, before the Jewish leaders. And when they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? 
And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with the uh, with this doctrine, with your doctrine, and intend to bring upon this man's blood upon us. What Peter said. He says, well, we ought to be God rather than men. The Jews said, hey, just quit this preaching stuff. We don't want to hear this. And they had filled Jerusalem. Well, how did they fill Jerusalem? Well, they were teaching. They were all talking. They were all talking about Jesus. They were talking about the gospel. Talking about the truth. Talking about the things of Christ. Christ is the Savior. Christ is the answer. Christ is the message. And they beat them. And what did they do? They hush up. No, they just went on preaching. And then in Acts chapter 5, after Stephen is stoned at the end of chapter 7, there's great persecution that's described by Saul. Uh, drag him in off to uh, prison. And notice there in verse 4, Therefore, they, they who? Well, the men and women that were committed to prison. And the other Christians, it says, verse 4, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, what? Preaching the word. God has ordained, through human instrumentality, the spread of the gospel message. There's got to be, and there will always be, human instrumentality ultimately in the message of the gospel being taught. And they were to teach it. And you see that abundantly clear. Now in Acts chapter 15, there was the problem about the false teachers. They were saying, well, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. And they say, well, you've got to be circumcised to be saved. So they came together and they talked about this. And what's interesting, they did not appeal to any new revelation. They appealed to what happened with Cornelius and Peter from Acts chapter 10. Necessary inference. They look at uh, Paul and Barnabas and what happened with them in the first preaching journey. And by approved example, they didn't teach you have to be circumcised to be saved. And then James re, uh, sort of refers to the general tenor of the Old Testament to say, well, no, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. And so by establishing Bible authority and what had been revealed and showing us how we established Bible authority, what was the conclusion? Look there in verse 22. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barabbas, Bersabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. Verse 23, and they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren uh, send greetings to the brethren, uh, which are them of the Gentiles of Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain men went out from them, uh, from us, uh, which have troubled you with word, subverting your soul, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you uh, with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also uh, tell you the same, uh, the same thing by mouth. And so it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden. And then it talks about uh, the, the specific things in verse 29. And so when they dismissed, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle. And when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. There's that. What they do? Well, they settled the issue that by Bible authority, by what God has established. No, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. They write a letter. Did they just send the letter? Oh, we don't need to spend any money sending people up here to, to go also. We'll just send the letter. That'll be sufficient. No. They sent the letter and they sent men. 
They read the letter and the men also confirmed it and spoke the word of the Lord that no, that's a false doctrine. That's error. When you say you've got to be circumcised to be saved. Now, if you want to do it as a practice of hygiene or personal decision, well, that's neither here nor there. You make your own personal choice. But when you bind it as the law of God and say it's necessary to salvation, well, that's put in a different category and it's false. It's wrong. We gave no such commandment. This is wrong. And so they went, delivering the letter, and then speaking and confirming and uh, uh, exhorting the brethren to stand firm in the faith. Preaching of the gospel is ordained to the Lord. In the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, uh, uh, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God. What pleased God? It says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God is the one ordained the preaching of the gospel. The teaching of His Word. Human instrumentality is involved in the teaching of the gospel. You see that in the Great Commission. You see that in the book of Acts. You see that in this text here. Let me show you an interesting example in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, we read about the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter 8, you're going to see an angel speaks. And you're going to see the Holy Spirit speak. But the Holy Spirit, nor the angel, speaks directly to the eunuch. Why? Because God ordained through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Look there in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. The angel speaks to Philip. The angel doesn't speak to the eunuch. God's not ordained angels to proclaim the message. The angel of God was used in the providence in the conversion of the eunuch, but the angel spake to Philip, who was a Christian, who was an evangelist, who was a teacher of the gospel. The angel speaks to Philip, didn't speak to the eunuch. And then it describes this eunuch, that he has great authority, he had been to Jerusalem, he's going back home. Verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. Now the Holy Spirit speaks, but doesn't speak to the eunuch. Why? Because God did not ordain that the Holy Spirit would speak directly to human beings in their conversion. Angels do not speak directly to human beings in their conversion. God's ordained through human instrumentality that the gospel would be proclaimed. And that's exactly what takes place. Because Philip says, well, do you understand what you're reading? Well, how can I accept some man's God me? Okay, come on up. And he's sitting in the chair. They're studying Isaiah chapter 53. And it says in verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. And what? Preached unto him Jesus. God is the one that ordained the preaching of the gospel. That it's going to involve human beings. And we are the ones that have that responsibility to fall in line in sending the light. To be involved in this work of preaching the gospel. The Macedonian call. Whether the Macedonian call is a neighborhood close, or whether it's another part of the state, another part of the country, or somewhere else, that when we have opportunities that we're trying to, trying to fulfill what God has said, and that is to send the light. 
So what happens when men personally go? Uh oh. Well, what happens is, uh, 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 well, presentation got out of order for some reason. I don't know why it got out of order, but it's out of order. Ah, well, let me see what to do. Ah, well, we'll just do this, and we'll come back. All right, what happens when men go, personally go, preaching the gospel? You go teach the gospel. This is in uh, Valdivia, in Niebla, in the southern part of Chile. Other than the chair, it kind of looks like here. You've got people sitting, and somebody gets up and preaches, and proclaims the gospel. This is, this is in Tena, Ecuador. Kind of looks like what we have here, kind of like during our gospel meeting. People gather together, and somebody gets up and preaches the gospel. Preaches the message, what God has ordained, to proclaim the word of God, because the word of God is to be proclaimed. Here was an opportunity to teach the gospel at a rehabilitation, kind of a rehab center for alcoholics and drug addicts. To do what? Well, to teach the gospel, to preach the word of God, to preach and proclaim with human instrumentality, human connection in teaching the message of the gospel. It was an opportunity to teach. It was to visit the sick. Have you ever noticed that a lot of times opportunities come, people that suffer? Have you ever, ever noticed that? That a lot of opportunities for teaching and instructing and sharing the message also becomes by, by just showing concern. I mean, isn't, isn't that what Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 4? Uh, let me just look at that verse real quick. In Luke chapter 4, uh, when Jesus says, But the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to them... Uh, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Yeah, you ever notice that people that everything's going great, that they a lot of times just don't have any interest in the gospel? It's the people that have infirmity, people that have problems, people that are hurting, people that see, to, see a need, something more than what life's offering them. I mean, those are the opportunities so often that happens. This was a sister that was sick and was visiting with her. And ultimately, it, it led to the conversion of one of her daughters because brethren were showing compassion and goodness and taking interest in the work of the gospel. Ah, oh, That slide got out of order. We'll get back to that. All right. So, God's ordained preaching of the gospel. Well, somebody might say, well, isn't there maybe, maybe, maybe a more expedient, more economical way than... than People going and preaching the gospel? I mean, maybe we could just send a video, video or send some tracks. Well, yeah, we can use videos and we can use tracks. Or we can do like mass mail-out or mail a letter. I mean, Chuck Bartlett mentioned about one of the things they plan to do is, is like a mass mail-out. Send out like 10,000. You, you can get in the post office and get like a uh, postal permit. And you can send out, I mean, it's, really, it's not really expensive, but you send out 10,000 10, 10, letters around the community. It's not to say, okay, well, we've fulfilled our job. You know, we've evangelized the community. We've, we've said 10,000 letters. Well, no, that, that's a point of contact. That's what that is. Of those that might have interest, that hopefully that they may make a contact, they may ask for a Bible correspondence course, they, or, or they may call. And then that's when the evangelizing comes in. 
But then you make contact, the human connection of going and teaching the gospel. That, that's the whole point of a mail out. That's the whole point of sending a video or a track. Is just trying to make the contact, but then ultimately, then Christians have to be involved in connection in sharing the message of the gospel. That, that's what we see ordained of God. Well, what about a radio TV program? Well, yeah, people can learn things, but ultimately somebody has an interest, then again, you're still going to have to make contact somewhere, and that's where a Christian somewhere is going to then make contact to study and teach and follow up and to lead them ultimately to follow the Lord. Well, now, there's some drawbacks to these methods, which is nothing wrong. They're simply tools. That's what they are. A video, a track, a mail-out. It's simply a tool making contact, but it doesn't really work everywhere. Like, what about places that don't have electricity? I mean, it may be a surprise to some, but there are places in the world that they don't have electricity. So, so what about them? And there are plenty, I've been to plenty of places where they don't have internet either. Uh, how, how are we going to get them by using the Internet? But we're not. You see, there are limitations with the, these tools because that's all there are. They're tools. And don't, don't put the tools to say, okay, well, we've, we've fulfilled the, uh, the Great Commission. We're, we're sending the light. Well, that, that's a tool and that's a help in sending the light. But ultimately, there's going to be this human connection. And there are going to be places like if you're using technology. I mean, does everybody know how to get on the Internet and work the Internet? I mean, everybody here? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe everybody here knows about the Internet, but there are places, people, they're not tech savvy. They have no idea. I mean, people have a hard problem with, with smartphones. I like the old one where you just have those buttons. You just push the buttons. I mean, that, that's the reality of the world. So, I mean, we may use some of these techniques and these tools, but sometimes there's limitations there. Sometimes these limitations that happen. And then what about if, if, if you send a track and somebody has a question? How are you going to ask that track a question? How are you going to ask that video? Well, I, I've got a question here. I, I don't understand what you're saying here. Well, how, how's that going to work out? See the problem? That's, that's why you have, to have, you have to have human beings there, the, the human connection, because that's what God has ordained through the foolishness of preaching to save them to believe. And then, what about the language? There might be a language barrier. There might be an idiomatic phrase that people don't understand. What about that? See, that, that's a problem. I mean, we do that. I mean, we study the Bible, and you hear phraseology in the Bible. What happens? Well, I'm not sure what that means. Well, because we just don't know the historical background of it. So there's got to be some research and try to get that figured out. And that's why, that's why God has ordained through the foolishness of preaching. There's going to be the human connection here in the spreading of the gospel. And then what about, okay, you send this track, you send this letter, you know, okay, well, that'll be, that'll be sufficient right there. Well, you know, they're teachers of error. And they can take things and they can like put a twist upon that and then just pollute the minds of all that are there that have just received that letter. I mean, you look at Paul's letters. Particularly, you look at First and Second Corinthians, they would take things that Paul did and Paul said and Paul's action, and, and the teachers of error, they put a twist upon it. And Paul would send the letter, but then there would be the follow-up that would come after that. 
Because they're teachers of error and they can twist things and they can take things and distort them and make them say something that's not being said. And so that's why it always comes back what God has ordained. And that is through the preaching of the gospel. God saw through the foolishness of preaching to save save them that believe. There's going to be that human connection in this teaching of the message of God. Yeah, you can use all these tools and help in spreading the gospel, but ultimately there's got to be that human connection there. Now, let's get back to when people do go. All right. This was in a rural area of Nicaragua. They did have electricity, no internet. They just don't have internet there. And cell phones? They don't get much signal there. You kind of go into town, you pick up signal, but you're out in these rural areas, you don't get signal. See, see the limitations of some of these tools that we might use? Yeah. So there's that human connection there again. This was in Colombia, in La Dada, Colombia. Preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the cross. I, what's, what's interesting about this photo, because the spring, I was actually uh, taught the lesson, the three crosses of Calvary. Preaching the cross, the three crosses, and what each represent. There was a fellow visitor. I had no idea who the visitor was. But the next day, uh, Herman, uh, no, it was, the next day, it was a couple of days later, he, he writes me, he says, you know, we had a visitor uh, Sunday night. And it really struck home, the, the message on the three crosses, and he wanted to study. So Herman studied with the studied with the man, and he was converted. That's what that's what Jesus says: preaching of the cross. You preach it. You're preaching the truth. You're preaching the gospel. Visiting somebody in the hospital again, you're going to make connection. Have you ever noticed when things when you do things tonight, you do things for people, they, they like to remember that. I mean, you may do something and you don't even remember it, like Lisa Phelps back here. She said. Several years ago, she was in the hospital and I come to visit her. Like, I don't remember that. <laughs> Probably did. She said I did. I kind of vaguely remember it. But it stuck in her mind. I mean, all these years, I mean, this was years ago, it sort of sticks in your mind. Or somebody does something for you, and it's just like, bam, it just sticks in your mind. Robert Jackson was telling the story that he had preached at uh, this, this elderly lady's funeral. And this young man called, I don't know, a couple few months after that, and said, is this Reverend Jackson? And he, he thought it was one of the brothers pulling his leg. Yeah, you got him. Yeah, that's me. And the, the fellow went on talking. And he's like, uh-oh, no, this is not a brother pulling his leg. because Except the title Reverend, because God is only Reverend. But anyway, he said, oh, oh let, let, me, let, me, let me back up. I, I thought you were somebody else. And the fellow was explaining to him. He said, you know, I, things are kind of a mess in my life. And when my grandmother died, you spoke at her funeral. And I really like what you said, and I, I was just, I was trying to think of somebody to try to find answers, and you're the only person I could think of. You see, sometimes it's just those things you do in, in just serving others that makes connections, the human instrumentality, because, because the gospel is a living thing, the church is a living organism, and we, we tentacle out and influence people as salt and light. And just sometimes just doing things, like going to the hospital, you make connections with people. And it so often it gives you opportunities to teach and to share the message of the gospel. This was a fellow in Guatemala. His life was a mess. He'd been a Christian. Kind of got involved in various things. Got involved in football. That's soccer. Football. Problem was, football took place on Sunday. He's missing the assembly. Things were just going south for him. He lost his job. 
the things were more difficult. He had a family, he had a wife, I think two kids. Things were very difficult. We wind up talking with him. I got a chance to talk with him, and then Manuel talked with him, and then the fellow talking to him there is uh, uh, Ricardo. We all talked to him. Reason, just kind of different angles. About getting your life right. Human connection. Teaching of the gospel. Teaching the biblical principles of where you need to be. He was lost and undone. He was wayward. Tried to get his life right. Here we are. Just met out under a tree. Sometimes we meet like where you have benches. Sometimes we meet where you have chairs. We just met out under the tree. It was kind of hot there in Guatemala. But what's happening? The preaching of the gospel. What God has ordained. Through the preaching of the gospel, God saw through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Spreading the message of the gospel. When you personally go, you have these connections, all kinds of connections with human beings. There you have a fellow. When I took this picture, this brother was faithful. About a year or so after that, he became unfaithful. Had no interest in the gospel. Just totally quit the Lord. And early this year, I think it was in April, or May, it was May, I don't know, May 10th, something like that, he was playing football. It was on a Sunday. Soccer, he was playing football. He, 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 he guy hit him, and he fell down, and this big guy just fell upon him. Broke his spine. He's paralyzed. We go to visit him. Now he's, he's ready to talk about the gospel. Before May 10th, he had no interest about the gospel. He had absolutely no interest in the gospel. But after May 10th, it sort of changed his life. You see, again, it's, it's the personal connection. Because it's in the trials and tribulations so often that, that, that we come in contact with people to be able to share the message and, and his whole attitude's change. What seemed to be like a, just a, a, a curse of, of having an accident. Well, Turned out to be a blessing because it turned his heart and mind around now for the Lord. To serve God once again. Here we are in the Philippines and this, oh, this was hot. Never been, never been in the Philippines in June, but it, I mean, it was just hot. Afternoon service. Nobody complained. We had fans. Windows are open. Does anybody complain? You know, like, oh, I'm not going there. And interesting, this place is kind of a plain. I, I wish I got, I got a photo of it. They had, they had some heavy rains, and there's about ankle-deep water. They still come to services. Dedicated. To hear and to worship the Lord and to serve God, even, even ankle-deep water. I mean, we say, oh, I'm not going to get my feet wet. No. Here, 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 here's some, these uh, little uh, guide to biblical references. Uh, Rob Harbison, he used to preach over in he used to preach over in Harrisburg, and Steve Deaton. They got talking one day about about fixing up some sort of guy. Rob contacted me back back in the summer, and said, "Hey, would would you be able to use these because they got translated into Spanish?" He said, "I'm not preaching now full time anymore," and he's like into financing and what have you. His wife had left him, and he just didn't feel. I guess he didn't feel continue. In the preaching full time, but but be that as it may, he's in, he's into finances. He's done well, and he says, "Just something I want to do." So I'll just provide. How many how many how many could you use? Like, oh, well, I don't know, send me a hundred. Took thirty to Guatemala. Took thirty to Ecuador. Next place I go, I'll probably take another twenty or thirty, just to share, because you're personally there sharing a, a track, a tool. This is just a tool to help people. 
Let me give some other examples. Contact with kids. I don't know. I, I like I like little kids. I, I take chocolates. I like sharing chocolates, just like Tom likes to share candy. It's, it's a joy. I mean, it's Tom. What does he do? It's, it's, it's a joy. He likes to he likes share candies with with not only the kids but others. I like sharing chocolate with the kids. I think in all the hundreds of kids I've met in uh, places around the world, there's probably maybe five, maybe six that don't like chocolate. But what 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 what's happening is like you're making contact with these kids. Trying to make a, a good uh, good relationship with kids, to have a favorable relationship with somebody that's preaching the gospel, not just some stoic individual that has nothing to do with little kids. They're just a bunch of snot nosed kids, and I don't want them to be around. No, you're making a relationship because last year when I was in Guatemala, I was in uh, San Pedro, and these two kids visiting San San Rafael, they came. I was playing with them after church, after the service in the afternoon. We were talking, and I shared some clothes and, and what have you. Well, this year I go to San Rafael, and I come and give me a big big hug. But that, that's the point about personal connection as you're going, teaching the gospel. It's just part of it. All the little things that happen that you when you're personally there. In the human connection, building relationship, and teaching, and instructing, and influencing. Here's some clothes. Maybe McKenna might recognize them because I think some of those were hers. Maybe been Tiffany's. But they just wanted to share, so here was a young lady that shared some of the clothes. It wasn't my purpose of going. It was just I happened to be going, and there were some that wanted to share, and so just shared these things. It builds relationships. I mean, we we in America, we're so well-to-do. I mean, you go to some of these other countries, and they're poor. Let me tell you, they are poor people. And, okay, they have food and clothes? Okay, okay, that's fine. That, that's what the Bible says. If they have food and clothes, all right, don't need, don't, don't need to try to bring them up to American standards, but if they have food and clothes, okay, they're fine. But you're trying to be there to interrelate with them. I mean, it's almost like celebrity status when you go. And you, you come all the way from America and you come here to visit us? It's not, I didn't make the rules, that's just the way it is, so you take advantage of it. That you're there to show goodwill in teaching the gospel, influencing people to look to Jesus, etc. All that's part of the connection of the human instrumentality that is involved in spreading the message. What about this? This happens a lot. Keeping company is what the Bible calls keeping company, hospitality. Anybody here enjoy hospitality? I mean, like the Hatfields, they're barn bash. Oh, no, we've got to go to another barn bash. I don't think that way. It's like, oh yeah. I asked David, are you having a blind brush this year? I mean, this month. I mean, it's, it's kind of exciting. It's exciting for me. I like going. I like doing things. Interchanging. Intermingling. When you look at the Bible, when it says to keep company, and then when a brother or sister is unfaithful, and we say, well, we're not going to keep company. But the word keep company is interesting. It literally means to mix and mingle. And what happens, yeah, we mix and mingle to a certain degree. Oh, how are you today? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? And we sit down and we worship and then we go home. But when you're sitting around a table, you mean you're dem- people are demonstrating brotherly love and you feel that? Oh, that feels great. And when you're extending that, you, you, you're showing brotherly love, you're receiving brotherly love. And what does that do? That makes you feel good about each other in hospitality. That's, 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 
part of what's happening when you go into these places and you're interchanging with people. You learn, and lots of times, great discussions come up. All kinds of Bible questions. I was in La Dorada. Armand and his wife Vivian. Their daughter had gone to bed. And we were set, it was, it was uh, late Sunday evening. And I, well, I got this question. Oh, so we looked at this question. Oh, well, I got another question. Okay, well, so I don't have anything else to do. Sure, let's, let's talk. Let's look at it. Let's study. It's all part of spreading the message of the gospel because God has ordained. This is the way it's to be. It's a, the church is a living organism. And the gospel is a living organism. The church, we are living stones in this living temple and we're trying to influence and bring others into the work of the gospel. You see, the Great Commission says what? Jesus has all authority. Go ye therefore. Therefore go and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever. I command you, I'm law, and law I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. It's teaching. People are converted. Teaching again. Keep teaching. Because it is the feeding. And as we sang the song, sending the light, that, that's what it's all about. Sending the light. Hearing the Macedonian call and preaching of the gospel. It is what God has ordained. And every congregation that's interested and dedicated, you're going to see that. They're, they're just evangelistic minded. I don't know if you got that from Chuck Bartlett. He, he's just always thinking about things like that. Just angles how to spread the gospel, how to, how to do things in teaching and teaching and teaching and looking for opportunities. That's something all of us are involved in to one degree or another in the message and the spread of the gospel of the Son of God. And why? Don't want people to be saved also. I mean, don't we enjoy salvation? I enjoy it. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. And you just want to share the message with other people. And that's, and that's the message. And that's the, that's the tenor. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. And that's what we should seek also. God has a plan of salvation. His plan of salvation is revealed in the Scriptures. Specific, specific steps that we've got to obey. We've got to respond. We hear this teaching about, well, hear the gospel. We hear this message. Hey, Jesus died on the cross. Why? Well, for us to be forgiven. It's, it's the solution. Punk. Bing, yeah, this is the solution. Then we've got to believe that. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got to accept it by faith. But that faith is going to move us also to obey other steps. Repentance. That's a, that's a toughie. That's a hard one. Because repentance means turn your life around. Make changes. People don't like make changes. But that's what, if we want to get better, yeah, we've got to make changes. It's kind of like being sick. Sometimes the doctor says, you've got to make these changes. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, then just stay sick. But if you want to get better, you're going to make changes. Well, that's the way it is spiritually. You're going to make changes. Then you're going to confess Jesus before men, just like the eunuch did. And then to be baptized into Christ. I mean, that, that's just one of the steps of salvation. I mean, that, that's just... I was asked the other day, well, what about this? You believe baptism is necessary? Oh, okay, yeah. Let's look at Romans chapter 6. The picture is that we die with Christ, we're buried with Christ, and we're raised from Christ. I kept asking the fellow two or three times. And we look at the verse, and he had it up on his computer screen. and said, now, when does the new life come? new life come before you're baptized? Or does the new life come as you raise up from the watery grave? Wouldn't answer. So I've left it to him. To, he's going to have to wrestle with it. Supposed to study again, but it's still there. When does the new life come? According to Romans chapter 6. Do you find new life? 
When you pray the sinner's prayer and then you bury a living man down in a burial, that doesn't make sense. And then what about this coming up? What was the Bible say? Well, to walk in newness of life after baptism. See, denominationalism, they've just got it all, they've got it all backwards. They got it totally wrong. Because we have to be buried with Christ. We have to die with Christ, bury with Christ, and then resurrected with Christ. And that's when the new life comes as we come up out of the water grave. And then we're exhorted to grow and be faithful. And if we do err, like uh, Simon the sorcerer who was converted, but then err, repent and pray God, perhaps thought about our maybe forgiven me. Well, we're going to sing this song to your encouragement, Zion's Call. And it is Zion's Call. We sound out the message. Jesus says, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. And if we can help you, let us know while together as we stand and as we sing.